0: Fantastic. Who's excited? I don't I feel like I don't need to preach anymore. That's done. But uh, who knows, God's always got something extra, got something more for you. So we are going to get around the word this morning. You know, we've been in a series called The Grace Invasion. We've been talking about grace and how God's grace is endlessly pursuing us in our lives to help us uh, pursue his calling for us. And and this, I feel, is a great segue series because we've been learning all about God's grace. And our new series is called God is able, in the lead up to Rise and Build. And uh, God is able, those three words come from a scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 8, in the New King James Version. Let's check it out. It says, and God is able, turn to someone and say, God is able. And God is able to make all grace, so we've got grace, the segue, abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I think some of us, when we hear a story like what Ben and Georgia shared, we'd be like, oh, how? I would never be able to give $2,500. Or I don't understand how they can uh, save for a house and save for a wedding and a honeymoon and still be able to give on top of that. Well, the answer is found in Scripture. It says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And so I want to introduce this new series with a video uh, of uh, an American preacher called Jesse Duplantis. And uh, he knows what it's like to have a multicultural church. We know what it's like to have a multicultural church. And who's happy about it? Fantastic. I couldn't help but look at that photo in Fiji where they've got the veranda and one of the sides is open you know, we don't want to have a segregated church, but I can't help but think all the white people would be sitting on the side without the glass. That's where I'd be sitting because otherwise I'd get sunburned. Sunburned during church, I'd be like, I've got to sit on that side. So all the white people come over this side, all the Fijians, we love the sun. I don't know how they talk. (laughs) So Jesse DePlantis, he knows what it's like to have a multicultural church and he's going to introduce the message title for us this morning. Let's roll the video. Now, a white preacher would say it like this And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Can I get a witness? <laughs> That's white. <people. laughs> but if I preach at one of the brothers' churches, one of the bishops, and God, mm-hmm, I say, to The Lord, ha, oh, you ain't hearing me, believe I'll go over here a while. And the Lord, Hey! <laughs> and God is able. And God is able, 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 able. And buddy, wow, she just takes off. <laughs> Look at the white people. And God is able. It's called hooping. Amen. And God is able. Mm-hmm. I said the Lord. Ha, I said able. He's gonna make it great. Ha! Oh Lord. Then you get your lean going, oh baby, got my lean going. I not get funny, hang on. But God is able. I know some of the brothers say, "Come over here and do it over here." Okay. God, God is able. Look, the white man don't know what to do. The white guy. I went like this. He goes. God is able I said the Lord Lord, 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 I heard Mm. Mm. See I was raised with black people I really was raised crazy I was raised with black people and Italians Hey, you, you you didn't live long in our neighborhood, <laughs> but God is able mm. to make all grace a Lord toward you. Oh dear, my goodness! God is able. Love that. God is able. Mm, I want to go to that church. I think. If you, has anyone got any like black be, black friends? Can they bring them along? Because I want to let's start up a gospel section of the church. And God is able. Or we can just we can just cut, take a leaf out of their book. Come on, God is able. Hmm. Oh. Why did I play you that video? Because you're never going to forget. God is able. God is able. This series we're gonna we're gonna be discovering the impact that God's grace has on our finances. It's going to lead into Rise and Build Sunday at the end of this financial year. And our pastor's direction for this series, they said to us, guys, we don't want you to preach to get money from the people. We want you to preach to get money to the people. We don't want you to preach to get finances from the people. We want want you to preach to get finances to the people. So that's what we're going to be doing this series. Who's excited about that? Because God is able. Somebody say, God is able. Come on. You know, I'm believing that through this series, we're going to see new levels of faith and trust in God because God is able. Can I get a witness? I'm believing that we're going to see new levels of generosity in people because God is able. Can I get a witness? I'm believing that we're going to get new levels of of provision for the people of this church because God is able. Can I get a witness? Thank you, Lord. I'm believing we're going to see new jobs because God is able. Yeah. You're not catching on. Okay. Because God is able. Yeah. Can I get a. Thank you. I'm believing we're going to see pay rises in people's lives because God is able. Yeah. I'm, to, I'm believing we're going to see increase for business owners and managers because God is able. So I don't want you to miss out. I, I think you should get to church every Sunday, this series. Make sure you're here, ready to hear the Word. If you can't be here, download the podcast, get it into you because God is able. Let's, let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, right now, we just lift up this series to you. We lift up this Word that you are going to implant into our hearts. Holy Spirit, we pray for fresh revelation in the realm of finances. Uh, we pray that you would reveal to us how we can better honor you with what we have how we should manage uh, the finances that we have and, and understand your purpose for the provision that we have. Holy Spirit, I pray you open every heart and speak to every person here this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Getting right into it. So this message this morning, I need to lay the foundation for this series. I want to impart to you what I've already begun to impart, which is this. God is able. God cares about our physical needs. Some people think that God's in the spiritual realm and He leaves us be for the, for the physical realm. But God cares about our physical needs. He wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. He wants us to have an abundance so that our overflow can be a blessing to other people. So let's look at the scripture together this morning. Let's study together. Would you turn turn with me or fix your eyes on the screen to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8? We're gonna look at the NIV. And God is able. Someone say, God is able. <laughs> this is this is fun. It could it could get old, but it's still fun for the for the moment. So and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, I've heard people talk about scriptures uh, like this one and this one in particular, and they say, you know, <clears throat> I know it sounds like God wants to provide for us physically, but, but actually God's grace and blessing, it can take many forms. Like he, he, His blessing might be emotional well-being or peace or spiritual gifts or strength. And they use that as a way of arguing around the need for to, to actually see God's provision in your life. And I think they're right in a way in that though bless, God's blessing can definitely be beyond just financial provision. But I want to look at the context of this Scripture with you this morning. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he is explicitly asking them to prepare for an offering. He's taking up an offering and so he's written to the church saying prepare yourselves to give. Now, he's not saying prepare yourselves to give uh, emotional well-being. He's saying prepare yourselves to give some cash. And so, the context is specifically around money, finances, and physical practical provision. And the verse before it says this, verse 7 says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly and so forth. So we can be confident that what he's talking about is practical provision. Somebody say God is able. Let's examine the scripture together let's look closely. So, the first thing, God is able. It's a call to trust in Him. The second thing, to bless you abundantly. So, how much? Bless you a little bit? Bless you abundantly. In all things, at all times. So, to what extent? Sometimes? No. With some things? No. In all things, at all times. Can I get a witness? Yeah. <laughs> You're hearing me. I want some witnesses in the house. Okay, but I've got to do the white person version. You've got to stay true to who you are, you know. Having all that you need. All that you... What? All that you need. Okay. So what do you need? Because apparently God's going to give you all of what you need. So what do you need? That's an interesting question. Jesus talks about two needs, food to eat and clothing to wear. And even those things, as basic as they are, we would say, I definitely need those and I've got to fight to get those. Absolutely. Jesus says, don't worry about that because God will provide them for you. So, so how much do you think you need? Do you need a private jet? This is an important question to answer. Not necessarily explicitly the private jet question. But how much do you need? Some people do need a private jet. I think it's good that the Prime Minister has a private jet, because if he needs to fly somewhere and there's no flight going, or, or if there's potential for terrorists to be on the plane and it's easier to do the security on a private jet, I think it's good that the Prime Minister has a private jet. But not everybody needs a private jet. I don't need a private jet currently. (laughs) Or yet, yeah, I don't want to rule it out. It's possible I might in the future. There is a difference between what we need and what we want. To say that God will unreservedly give me everything that I want, Assumes that it's all about you. It turns God into a wish granting genie in the sky. It forgets that He is our Lord and not the other way around. And this is why it's important to ask this question how much do I need to fulfill what God is asking of me? Because of the next part of the scripture, you will abound. So God will provide all your needs so that you will abound. It implies an overflow. New Living Translation says, Plenty left over. New King James says, have an abundance. It paints the picture of a fountain to me. Let's see this. Let's see this picture of a fountain. So at the top, you have the pouring out of the water. That's like God in the center of our life pouring water into our life. Then our life is like the basin at the top. And that fills up with God's provision and overflows into the life of the people around us and into every good work. And so by no means is God being stingy here. He says, I'm going to fill you to overflowing. But if you need this much and you think you need this much, then it's going to be quite a while before your provision fills up and you let it overflow. So, so you might have a need, your needs, your true needs might be here. God says, this is what I want you to go and do, and for that you need this. But if you think, but actually, I need a private jet. So I'll wait for God to provide me the private jet, and then I'll allow His provision to overflow. So, so what's happened is there's a certain amount of water in the fountain and you've built the basin too high so the basin never overflows. See, we were made to overflow, but we need to know how much we need so that we can adjust accordingly. Where's your threshold? What are your needs? If it's food and clothing, once that's paid for, then anything after that, is fair game to be shared with others, right? But if you think you need a mansion and five beautiful, hotted-up cars before your needs are met, then, then, then you're going to be putting away every penny until you get that before you allow it to overflow and share with others. Can I get a witness? <laughs> and here's the reason. Every good work... God wants us to be able to have an abundance so that our overflow can be a blessing to others. You know, Kirsty and I, early in our marriage, we began to establish some priorities with which uh, we would manage our finances. And we, we sort of heard the word that if you don't live by priorities, you'll live by pressures. I'll say it again. Uh, if you don't live by priorities, you'll live by pressures. If you haven't decided what you're going to use your money for or what you're going to do with your money, then the pressures will overwhelm you and you'll be forced to spend the money on whatever comes your way. If you don't decide to set aside 10% for God, then it's quite likely you'll get to the end of the week, you'll get to Sunday and you'll say, what have I got left over? Well, there was pressure here and pressure here and pressure here and I haven't set it aside and so now I've actually only got... 2% 2% or 5% or whatever it might be. You might you might decide that uh, you want to set your priority, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at church every Sunday because I want to be in the house. But if you, if you don't set that priority, then often pressure mounts up and it gets to Saturday night and you've got a whole bunch of stuff to do and you're up until 7 in the morning and by the time you have to get up for church, you're too tired. Because if you don't live by priorities, you live by pressures. Turn to someone and say, if you don't live by priorities, (laughs) nudge the person next to you because I've just fallen asleep. Nudge them and say, if you don't live by priorities, you'll live by pressures. And so one of our priorities was, well, we will give into every offering. We don't want to give up the opportunity to give. There's a few exceptions, like we pay our tithe fortnightly because that's how that works best. So you know, if there's a week and you're like, oh, Brendan and Kirsty didn't put in the offering. I saw them. I was watching. They said they go and everything. <laughs> there's a reason for that. But we didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to give. And so we decided on a default amount for any extra offerings so that, so that uh, we wouldn't be swayed by, oh, I didn't really like the, the way that that offering message panned out. <laughs> you know, like, you know, sometimes, you're, oh, there's an extra offering. Oh, well, I'll see how they go. I'll see if they convince me. Well, we decided, hey, we want to be giving generous people. So we said, well, this is our, this is our minimum. This is our default. If God wants to speak to us and say, give above and beyond that, then, then he can do that. But, but that's, that's the decision. That's the priority that we made. And, uh, you know, on a couple of occasions, we've challenged ourselves to actually just increase the default, increase the, the foundation. Another priority that we set was that we have a column in our budget uh, for generosity. So Kirsty's an avid budgeter, for which I am very grateful. Um, But we wanted to make sure that we always have some money set aside to spend on other people, so that we were always prepared for the opportunity to give. We discovered that it helped us to make a habit out of giving, didn't we? But here's my problem. Some weeks, we hit our allocation before the week is up. As far as the budget says, we don't have all things at all times. We, we don't have all that we need to abound in every good work. And I was really challenged as I was preparing this message because I'm reading the scripture and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to unpackage this. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you can have an abundance, be blessed abundantly, to give unto every good. And I was challenged in two ways. The first way was personally. Because I was looking at the scripture thinking, if that's true, why doesn't it feel true for me? You know, our circumstances didn't seem to line up. Recently in our work, our company, so I'm self-employed, and we run a film production company, And the way that our finances are panning out at the moment we had to stop paying ourselves a salary like at all so we just go to work monday to friday for nothing (coughs) and it's all right we're making good progress with our projects and so things are looking good but the finances aren't looking good and uh and recently we bought we bought an apartment off the plan so if you, unless you know what that means, an apartment off the plan, it means you you buy it ahead of time and then they build it and then you own it. So can we just show the picture? This is what we own at the moment. We own a few pixels in the middle of that cement slab there. And, and what happens is they build it, you put a deposit down, they build it, and then when you're ready to go, when they're ready to hand over the keys and you sign the contract and then you start paying the mortgage. Okay, so you get a pre-approval from the bank based on your income and then you put the deposit down you, they say yes, you can buy it and then down the track when you actually go to buy it they go to the bank again and say can this person afford a mortgage? Okay, but we just stopped paying ourselves. I get this call from the bank the other day and it's bankers say it's our bank and they say hey, such and such told us that, uh, that uh, you guys are going to be looking at buying a house so we would love to offer you guys a mortgage and uh, get you all set up. All we want to do is just talk through some numbers and, and we'll send it right through. We'll get the pre-approval, get it all sorted. Uh, and, then, and then I said, you know, we'll be getting the house in about March. They said, oh, you're sweet. Like, you don't even have to do it for ages. Just come to us whenever you need it and we'll sort out the mortgage. And I said, yeah, yeah, cool. That, that'd be good, actually, because, uh, you know, sometimes... Sometimes in, in our profession, banks get a bit confused about the income of a film production business. They don't know how it works. And he said, what's, what's that? <laughs> I said, that's a film production business. Yeah. Is it? Is that your, that's your company? Yeah. <coughs> yeah, so, uh, so how do you make money with that? <laughs> uh, so, and I explained the business model to him. He said, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, have you got the numbers on that? Because if you could send that through, like, ASAP, just for your own confidence, because um, we we would really need to look at those numbers before we can say anything concretely. And so we started the phone call. He's like, hey, just calling you up because we want to give you a mortgage. And we finished the phone call with, like, for your confidence, um, <coughs> we would need to see everything to make sure that it's even possible. Okay, so... Here I am, starting to worry about, you know, will our money come through in time to to give the bank security in our income? Uh, Will will we be able to even get the mortgage for the house that we've signed on some time ago? Now, I was looking at this scripture thinking, I've still got needs. Why isn't God's grace overflowing abundantly in my life? Has anyone ever felt like that? I don't felt like, well, the Scripture says God is able to make all grace abound to me so that I can be blessed abundantly and overflow in every good work. But it doesn't feel like that at the moment. It feels like I'm in need. And so I was struggling. God, how am I going to preach this message? As I was praying, as I was studying, this is what I felt God speak to me. My grace in your life doesn't mean that you will never have a need. My grace in your life means that all your needs will be met. I'm going to say it again. My grace in your life doesn't mean that you'll never have a need. My grace in your life means that all your needs will be met. See, I was looking at the Scripture thinking, why aren't all my needs met? As I looked backwards, I realized... We've followed Jesus, we've trusted Him with our finances, and all our needs have been met, past tense. But I was looking at the future thinking all of our future needs aren't met yet. As if that was a reflection of whether God's grace is present in our lives. So you've got past, future and present. It's as if I was expecting that God's grace... was to make us so rich that we would never be able to spend it all. And no matter what we do, the money is already there. As if to say that I was expecting God's grace in my life to look like, well, you'll never have to worry about the house. You'll never have anything in the future that looks uncertain because your bank account is so full that you could never spend all of that money in your whole lifetime. But i don't think that's what the scripture is saying because what is god's primary purpose is it to make us comfortable no is it to make us rich no god's primary purpose is to have a relationship with us he wants us to trust in him to fulfill all of our needs So, if God makes you so rich that you never have to rely on Him for the future, well, He's just put Himself out of a relationship, which is His one purpose. God wants you to rely on Him for every need. He says He will provide every need, and He'll provide it abundantly and overflowing so that your provision will provide for others as well. But He wants to have a relationship with us. Kirsty reminded me of a message that I've preached in the past and I felt like I should really listen to my own preaching. The message was called this. The purpose of your purpose isn't purpose for the purpose of your purpose. It's purpose for the purpose of your relationship with Him. Did anyone follow that? There's two people there. I'm getting a clap and a nod. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's working because my words certainly are I'm going to do it one more time. The purpose of your purpose... So your destiny, God's plan for your life, the purpose of your purpose isn't purposed, isn't intended, isn't purposed for the purpose of your purpose. It's not all about you getting to the finish line. It's purposed for the purpose of your relationship with Him. His plan for your life is not about Him getting a job done. His plan for your life is that He would lead you down a path where at every turn you are close with Him, in relationship with Him, and you're asking God, which way do you want me to go? God, can you provide for this need? God, I want to follow you. Help me in this way. That's what God wants. He wants a relationship with us. And so if we expect God's grace to fill us so abundantly that we're never going to need him in the future, that's like, that's like making a massive reservoir and turning off the fountain, saying, God, I don't need you anymore because I've hoarded all this stuff. I'm right for the rest of my life. So, so I realize when I look at our past, God has provided. When I look at our future, it's uncertain because we need to have trust and faith in God that he will provide and carry on walking with him. And we only have to look at the life of Jesus as an example. You know, when Jesus is a baby, the wise men come and they lavish gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh onto Jesus. Later, as an adult, Jesus is in need. So even Jesus had needs. Jesus wanted to pay the temple tax. He doesn't say, it's all right, disciples. I've got so much gold, frankincense and myrrh that I'm never in need. No. Matthew seventeen twenty-seven says, He instructs his disciple, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. So, did you know that was in the Bible? Fishing Fishing for money? So next time you're in need, go to Glenelg, where nobody catches fish, and pray and say, God, can you just give me a fish with some money. <laughs> you can't do that in America because the money is made out of paper. and It'll get all soggy. Jesus is in need. He has thousands of people in the wilderness and they're needing to be fed. His disciples say, we can't afford to feed them. It would take a half a year's wages to buy them all food. Jesus doesn't say, oh, let me get the half a year's wages out of my coin purse. No. He says, well, what have you got? He takes what they have and he miraculously multiplies it. When the need arises, then the provision comes. God's intention is that we remain in close relationship with him and we trust him with all of our needs. Is anyone excited by that? Anyone scared by that? A little bit, right? I think we'd prefer the rich version, wouldn't we? but it's not good for us. The second area I was challenged in is this. I was looking at the context of the scripture, and Paul's preparing the Corinthian church to give into an offering. Why is he taking up the offering? He's taking up the offering because the church in Jerusalem is in need. They need financial provision. So I was thinking, why isn't God's grace working for them? Why aren't they overflowing so abundantly that they're going to, that they don't, you know, all their needs are met? He's got to get these other guys to give it to them. Is anyone else puzzled by that? Let me answer like this A man was stuck on his rooftop in a flood. He was praying for God to help. And soon a rowboat came by. And the fellow shouted to the man on the roof, jump in, I can save you. The man who was stranded shouted back, no, no, it's okay, I'm praying to God and, uh, and I have faith, he's going to save me. So the rowboat goes on. A motorboat comes past. The fellow in the motorboat shouts, jump in, I can save you. To this, the stranded man says, no, thank you. I'm praying to God, he will save me. I have faith. So the motorboat goes on. Then a helicopter comes past and the pilot shouts down, grab this rope, I'll lift you to safety. The stranded man replies, no thank you, I'm praying to God. He's going to save me, I have faith. So the helicopter reluctantly flies away. Soon the water rises above the rooftop, And the man drowns. He goes to heaven. He finally gets his chance to discuss the whole situation with God. He muscles into the throne room. At which point he exclaims, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. I don't understand why. God replies, well, I sent a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more did you expect? (laughs) The point is this. God uses people to bless people. Sometimes when we think about God blessing us abundantly, we think only of the miraculous circumstances that don't involve people. But God wants us, God wants to use us to bless others. So maybe he wants to use others to bless us. If we're going to allow God's grace in our lives, then we need to accept that God can use people to bless us. Our pastors tell a story about how they were in great need and they had all these bills to pay and they were driving home once and they they looked at each other and they just thought, if we just had $1,000, we would be able to get through this. And then the next day, somebody knocks on their door, it's a courier, and they hand to them an anonymous check for $1,000, That is, what an incredible miracle. What an incredible provision from God. I think we would be a lot less impressed if they just had a friend and the friend said, are you guys in need? And yeah, here, have a $1,000. We'd be less impressed by that, wouldn't we? Because we'd feel like, well, we know how that worked. But God uses people to bless people. Some of us feel uncomfortable because we feel like if someone gives us something, then we have to pay them back. God gives us His grace, do we have to pay Him back? If God wants to bless you through somebody, doesn't you paying them back kind of mean you're trying to pay God's grace back? If we believe that God is able and we believe that God uses people to bless people, we have to get good at accepting things from others, not just giving things. We argue too much when people try and buy us things. We've got a friend, Nicola Grecker, and his philosophy is I only argue once. If you say, I'm going to buy your breakfast, he says, are you sure? Yep. And he says, great. You know, there's people who stand there for half an hour, they say, no, please let me pay. No, please let me pay. If God appeared, if God opened the heavens and he said, I am going to provide all of your needs and I will pay your mortgage off. Whatever, right? You'd be like, no, no. Would you stand there and be like, no. I'm fine. I'm got all right. No, no, let me pay for your mortgage, God. What have you got? <laughs> well, you know, every church and, you know. <laughs> Every building, I own the planet, I own the heaven. I've got some, you know, I've just done an extension up here in heaven. You can pay for that. Um, you can pay for my mortgage. We're going to get good at accepting things. God is able. What do you need? He wants a relationship of trust with us, that we trust in Him for all, for all things, always, at all times. So when's the last time that you trusted God to provide for you? He wants us to be a blessing to others. He wants to let others. He wants us to let other people bless us. So when's the last time that you bless someone with a non-refundable blessing? You bless and then expect them to, he owes me one now. And do you you need to be more open to God using other people to bless you? Some questions to ponder, Jordan. I want us to pray together over this series for some some needs. Why don't you stand with me? Let's seek God. You close your eyes, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? I want to pray for our church together over the course of this series, over those things that I said at the beginning, a fresh outpouring of his spirit, and you trust in in him. Why don't you begin to lift your voices? Let's let's lift up the people of this church together. pray for changed hearts together holy god we welcome you into this place this morning we thank you that your grace abounds towards us we thank you that all of our needs are met we thank you that we overflow into every good work father we pray for a fresh trust and faith in every heart that people would find a newfound sense of trust in you, that people would dare to step out of their comfort zone to believe that you will provide for their needs. Father, we pray for a fresh spirit of honesty and, and truth in the financial arena. We pray for a spirit of hard work to come upon the church. We pray for the spirit of laziness to go. We pray for a fresh heart of generosity on every person, and we pray that as people step out and give, that you would return that to them, Father. We thank you that your grace abounds towards us. I want to pray for spef- specifically. I want to pray if you need a pay rise, if you want a pay rise, no, if, if you God. need, if you if you really believe that you're in a position where a pay rise is needed, that's what I want to pray for you for. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven? We're not talking about the spirit of entitlement here where we just say, well, I I just want more. We want to fulfill needs here this morning. And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to pray for not just your pay rise. We're going to pray for your employers. We're going to pray for the prosperity of the company or the organization that you're in. We're going to pray for the efficiency and the and your contribution as a person to that workplace. And then we're going to pray for the provision. So right now, Father, we pray for every person who's represented here. Father, we pray that you would lift up and bless and favor their employers, their managers, their bosses. Your spirit would be upon them. We pray that that, that company, that organization, that it would prosper. The profit and loss sheet would increase. We thank you Father, there's a new provision coming to the company. We pray for the spirit of generosity to fall upon the employers and the leaders of that company. We pray for every person here who is a worker. We pray that you would give them focus and concentration at work. We pray that you would impart into them the spirit of hard work, that they would not slack off at their computer on Facebook, that they would be at work on time, that they would not leave before the day is over. They would be committed, contributing, efficient, hardworking people. And God, we pray that you would provide An increase in provision for these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you just lift your hands one last time. We're going to pray for a couple more things. We're going to pray for new jobs, for those who need them. We're going to pray for people's businesses. Father, right now, we thank you, your spirit is moving. We thank you you have great plans for us. We thank you that you provide for us. So wherever there is need, Father, we pray that you would fulfill it. We thank you, God. We're trusting in you. So we're praying that you would unleash new jobs, different jobs over the lives of these people, God, that there would be jobs ready and waiting for us. Father, we pray for businesses, business owners, business managers, pray for your favor and your blessing as we trust in you and seek your will and right now if you have a job just lift your hands to heaven father we pray for a fresh motivation a fresh anointing a fresh desire to use whatever we do for your glory wherever we are in our workplace we pray your spirit would be with us it would encourage us that we would be hardworking, that we would be honest, that we would be the best kind of employees in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Just before we finish, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're here this morning and and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's desperately what He wants. He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to fulfill your needs. He wants you to follow him with your life. He wants to have that trusting relationship. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you aren't following Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, I want to give you an opportunity to welcome him into your life this morning. And we do that by just praying a prayer of introduction, saying, Hey, we introduce you to God. And you can say, God, I want you to come into my life. We can pray that together. I want to invite you this morning if you want to do that in just a moment I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and say so that I can see it would you just close your eyes for me so that nobody's looking around if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want one you want to ask him to come into your life would you just put your hand up so I can see it we'll pray together. Maybe you've done that in, a, in the past and you want to come back this morning and pray the same prayer. If that's you, would you put your hand up? Nice and high so I can see it and I'll acknowledge that I've seen it. Fantastic. Awesome. Let's pray together. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I want to follow you with my life. I turn from my old life. I ask you to come into my heart. I'll follow you from this day onwards. Amen.